0: Welcome to Cars Yeah! Show number 356. Do what you're passionate about. Do what you have a burning desire for. Don't do whatever anyone else says does not matter. What matters is what do you want and how can you do it.
1: This is Cars Yeah! where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride. Here on Cars Yeah! Do you know the best way to protect your vehicle, both the exterior and interior, is with a car cover? I've been using Covercraft car covers since 1975. It's a fast, easy, and inexpensive way to keep your vehicle looking new. 2015 marks Covercraft's 50th anniversary. They've manufactured premium quality exterior and interior covers... Here in the United States, with a reputation for durability and design, they're the world's largest manufacturer of custom patterned vehicle covers that are crafted to fit, with over 80,000 patterns and growing. You can choose from dozens of fabric options and accessories, all designed and carefully sewn for your special vehicle. Made in the USA, Covercraft is the right choice. I've protected my special rides with their covers for over 40 years, and you should too. Learn more today at Covercraft.com. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I am revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, Kelly Telfer. Kelly, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? Absolutely. I'm
0: ready to roll.
1: All right. Great to have you here. Kelly Telfer is an artist who paints all kinds of subject matters, but his passion is automobiles, motorcycles, and racing. He lives and paints in San Jose, California, and his artwork can be found in galleries, magazines, private homes, and corporate collections all around the world. He's currently featured in a one-man show at Canapa Motorsports Museum. Bruce has been a guest here on Cars, yeah? You'll also find his art on Guglielmo wine labels, and he's created fine art designs and marketing work for international and national motorsports organizations. Kelly, I've told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you take a moment and share a little bit more about your career, and of course, your passion for automobiles. Well, Mark,
0: first off, I want to thank you for having me on the show. I think it's an incredible thing that you are doing, interviewing and documenting some of the really awesome personalities in the motorsports world. Oh, thank you very much. But additionally, I want to thank you especially for having me be guest 356. (laughs) Yes. I'm a 356 Porsche fanatic, as many of us are. But I I used to race cars and I sold an old used race car and they're hard to sell. So I offered to deliver it upon delivery. um, I saw an old speedster sitting in the barn in Watsonville, California. I asked the guy whose car it was and he said his dad. I went straight to his dad, Charlie, and I said, Hey, Charlie, that's my car. How much? (laughs) He goes, it's not for sale. I'll never sell it. Never. I go, well, guess what, Charlie? I get visitation rights. That's my car. So I, you know, one of the things I did is I went there every six months for six years. Wow. Finally, I was actually selling my t-shirts to the World of Outlaws event in Bayland. And his son came up to the window and said, my dad's selling the car. So I yelled for everyone to get back. And I shut down the booth on a couple <laughs> hundred customers. And I drove straight to Watsonville. So I got there at about 12 at night. And I knocked on the door and the light comes on and Charlie in his pajamas. And he goes, Kelly, are you okay? I go, fine. And I shook his hand and I said, sold, how much? (laughs) And that's the story of my speedster, and I'm sticking to it.
1: Wow. You know, I love that story so much. Um, I chased a 72 911S for 10 years, similar kind of thing. And the day that I was ready to buy another car, I called the guy who owned it and I said, hey, Kenji, that's his name, I'm about to send your money to someone else. Are you sure you don't want to sell me that car? And there was a long silence and he said, okay. And I did the same thing. I, was, I went to the bank, got the cash, drove to his house, and said, here, done. So you and I share uh, some similar Porsche passion, I think. <laughs> that's a wonderful story. Absolutely. Yeah, as we continue on your journey, I always like to start by asking my guests for a success quote. This is a saying that's been instrumental in forming your life and your success. It's a really great way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars, yeah? Kelly, I know you love to drive, so take the wheel.
0: Well, you know, I have a a bunch of quotes, but I'll limit it to a couple. The first quote is, the businessman says, if I don't do it first, somebody else will. Mm. The artist says, if I don't do it first, nobody else will. (laughs) And that's, that's by the obviously world famous Leroy Neiman. And I love it because I've been both a businessman and an artist my entire life. And having a foot in both worlds is very different. And to me, that sums it up instantly. And the Second quote is this individual is asked to speak in front of the 300 largest businesses in Japan. And he got up there and he said, Hey, I have failed more than everybody in this room. He also said, I've succeeded more than everybody in this room. And so Chiro Honda, the founder of Honda motor cars went on to say success represents the 1% of your work, which results from the 99% that is called failure.
1: Mm, Wow. And
0: believe me, being in the business world and the art world, if you're not willing to risk failure to create new and bigger successes, then you should go work for someone.
1: You know, I love those quotes, but especially the second one. And we're going to talk a little bit about failures and challenges as we move through our talk here today, Kelly. But first, I'd love for you to share a story with us that instigated your passion for cars. You told us that great story about the, the Porsche in the barn, if you will, but. Is there a pivotal moment if you look back in your life when you really realized that you were a car guy
0: you know mark it's it's kind of funny, but I think all car guys have a common thread and and one of those might be you know my dad introduced me to cars at a very young age, and we we luckily lived near Laguna Seca Raceway in Monterey, California, and I think the first time I went there I was five years old, and my father was a corner worker, and so I got to sit actually on the edge of the racetrack, oh man beyond what. They used to have that wooden snow fencing there. It was about four feet high. But I got to sit on a blanket near my dad. And, you know, going up to the old Turn 3, coming up the hill, uh, I remember a Ferrari spinning out. My dad and another worker pushed it off to get it started. And it was 10 feet in front of me. And the driver went over and said, hey, thanks a lot for the push, in the middle of the race while he was competing in the top three.
1: (laughs) Wow. What a childhood. Lucky you.
0: And, you know, another great memory is um, Denny Hume and Bruce McLaren competing in Can-Am in 1969, you know, and they finished first and second at Laguna Seca Raceway. There were so many classic races I saw in my youth that that's just totally become part of my being.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, you know, you and I got to meet at Sport just a few weeks ago, and uh, I could tell you are one passionate car guy, and I'll tell our listeners that, you know, Kelly had a really nice booth. I got to see a lot of his, his wonderful artwork. I'd already seen a lot of it at Bruce Canapa's place. But uh, I could tell you were just kind of shaking, thinking, I got to get out and see the cars going around here. But you had that booth. You had to stay in and, and take care of your customers. But I could tell you are a diehard car guy. So lucky you to get to grow up at Laguna Seca and spend all that time with your dad. Really fortunate. You know, you talked about Mr. Honda's comments about failure. So at this part of our talk, I always like to kind of crawl into the hood and talk about a challenge and have you share a huge challenge or even a great failure that you faced along the way in your career. But the most important part of this has to do with how did you overcome that situation? What did it teach you? What did you learn from it?
0: You know, there's two different examples I have. And, and one of them is my when I was 16 years old, my brother Jim and I started Telfer Brothers Racing. And at age 16, we had no money, no experience and no knowledge of racing and very little knowledge of cars. And we started racing desert, single-seaters, and Volkswagens, both at Fremont Raceway and Ascot Speedway down in Gardenia. And we were so far over our head and so far outspent that I learned that you don't need money, you don't need experience, you don't need knowledge to win. You need a burning desire. You need a passion. And my racing experiences I had in for 10 years in my teens, and 20s are priceless in guiding me in life. I'm not afraid to walk into a situation where I know nothing, not afraid to fail, to learn how to succeed. And racing to me was the ultimate experience of learning how to fail to succeed. And it was priceless.
1: I love that learning how to fail. That is just a great quote. Oh, yeah. And
0: we were, we had huge success in racing, you know, in, our, in the world we played in. It was incredible. Uh, awesome. And uh, the other one was, I owned a a large T-shirt company, one of the largest in the country, maybe the world, in doing motorsports, T-shirts, and apparel and souvenirs. And my partner and I were awarded the rights to the Phoenix Formula One race in 1989 and 1990. And we didn't have the money and we didn't have the infrastructure to properly do that event. So talk about challenge. We actually did about $685,000 in sales at that event. And we didn't have the money to fund it. We found the money, we went to vendors, people believed in us, you know, and race day, we were so busy in 1989, even though it was 116 degrees, we were so busy, I went in downtown Phoenix in the temporary race circuit, I went and found homeless people and paid them to work for us in our booth. So we had about 15 locations, 150 people, and by the end of the day, I think I hired an additional 50 or 60 homeless people. And it was a wonderful experience for them and for us and for our customers.
1: Oh, what a delightful story. I mean, it's just fantastic in so many ways. So many great golden nuggets you drop there for our listeners who are entrepreneurial or have that burning desire to get out there and do something. They just haven't been able to do it yet. Listen to this story by Kelly. You just have to be fearless. Don't be afraid to fail. Just get out there and do it. I
0: have one thing to add to that. So set up was Wednesday night. The sun is setting it's 85 degrees and I'm watching all the formula one teams unload all their carbon fiber and exotic cars and machinery and everything. And I'm on a golf cart because I'm setting up my t-shirt booth. and this guy walks up to me and he says, Hey, can I borrow your golf cart to preview, you know, do a preview of the track. And I looked him square in the eyes and I said, heck no. (laughs) And the guy kind of stepped back and I go, no, 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 I'm just kidding. Ayrton Senna, please take my cart.
1: <laughs> and can I please ride with you? <laughs> and Ayrton, and I handed him the keys
0: and almost bowed. And Ayrton goes, no, no, you're coming with me. And I get a lap oh. of Phoenix with Ayrton Senna oh, in my a golf cart. And, you know, still to this day, it brings tears to my eyes because yeah. he would stop at a corner and he was talking out loud to himself. And I got to hear, he'd say, okay, I'm going to put my right rear tire one quarter off this white line. One quarter of an inch. And to see this guy scope it out, of course, he set fast time. Yeah. He, he won the poll. And, wow. and to watch him prepare to win the poll and be part of that, Mark, that was one of those priceless times. You couldn't pay enough to, to be there and do
1: that. Ah, uh, that story just gave me goosebumps. Saraton Senna is one of my heroes. Uh, I even have on my business cards a quote from him. Uh, he's just uh, a yeah, magical guy. And you talk about somebody who just focus, focus, focus. Follow one course until successful. That acronym I like to use for focus. What a lucky person you were! Fortunate person to be in the right place at the right time, and of course to say yes. Who wouldn't? Wow! Very, very cool. I love it. Let's shift gears here, Kelly, and go to an aha moment. I'd love for you to share a story with us when you had a career aha moment. I like to say it's a time when the headlights come on and illuminated your way for this new idea, this new direction you had, and. Tell us the steps you took to turn that aha moment into your success.
0: Well, you know, Mark, um, I've had quite a few, and some people like me, I need to hit the brick wall quite a few times. Like I said, every failure is a step towards success. Yep. So I owned my own t-shirt and apparel business for about 25 or, or years or so. And then I, one day, the business changed, the, you know, the business model changed, and I sold it. And I live here in Silicon Valley, so I got a temporary job at Siemens as a PowerPoint artist. Ten years later, I'm global director of e-marketing, running the whole section of uh, Siemens Communications. And then, of course, in the corporate world, uh, part of the uh, environment is layoffs and changes. And so on my last corporate layoff in 2009, I said, you know what, I'm jumping off that cliff. I've been an artist my entire life. I'm going to earn a living off it. And I jumped. And I bought the uh, equipment to do the best you clay, fine art prints known to mankind. I make my own prints. I do my own art. I do my own photography, color correction. And so the aha moment was, thank you, universe, for laying me off, because <laughs> now I get to pursue my passion, my burning desire full time.
1: Listeners, did you hear that? Uh, that is an amazing comment. And so many of us out there have gone through those kinds of experiences and look at it in a completely different light, think about Kelly the next time that happens to you. It's an opportunity. It's an opening in that corner. Like Senna would, dive in there and take it. Great story. Love that aha moment. Awesome. How about proudest career moment? I would assume you've had many. You've done so many different unique things throughout your careers. What is the proudest moment that you could share with us?
0: Well, you know, Mark, you're right. There's a lot of things. I the first one I'll tell you the career story, and the second one would be a personal story. But the career story is I worked with Steve Lewis when he started Performance Racing Industries about 30 years ago, PRI, and he had me as one of his featured speakers for the breakfast. And one year I think the featured speaker was John Force, and the second speaker was me. And I'm like, come on, Steve, this is ridiculous. You can't put me and John Force up there. This is it's a I'm gonna lose no matter what. And he just <laughs> smiled and laughed and said, Get up there and do your thing. So yes. one of the things that Steve and I combined to do, I've been great friends with him and done many projects with Steve, is we did a um painting to commemorate the Chevrolet V eight overhead valve V eight engine that was built in nineteen fifty five. Cool. So what's What Steve did is he flew in the 17 living engineers, Zora Duntop, Smokey Eunice, Herb Thomas, who was the driver that won the first race at Darlington in a 55 Chevy convertible. He brought all those people together and hired me to do a painting, which I presented to them. And the painting was actually a serigraph, so I did 10 copies. Number one of 10 went to Chevrolet. And then two of them, I walked around to everybody present and have them sign it in pencil. So I have all those signatures on a piece of art that I did. Wow. And, you know, that's a proud business moment for me to to be part of recognizing Chevrolet for their accomplishment, to be part of Steve Lewis's PRI days and to do that type of artwork.
1: Oh, wow, yeah.
0: And the second one, a personal one, you know, I have three wonderful children. My daughter is 30 years old, Alicia, and she's a professional photographer. She got her degree in photography and design. And I'm so proud of her, as well as my twin boys who are 21 years old, and they're majoring in business and marketing. And all three of my kids go, I go, you kids are incredible. And they all go, well, Dad, you and mom would come home from a corporate job or your self employed job, and then you'd start doing your passion. You know, in this case, it was art for both of us. So I would come home after a twelve-hour day and paint, and they'd see me sitting there, and they go, "How come all our friend- parents, uh, all our friends' parents, are sitting in front of the TV and drinking beer, and you're not?" <laughs> I go, "I don't know, son. I'm built a little different."
1: You're so teaching. I think
0: one of the, exactly. So Mark, really, one of the proudest things for me, of course, is my three children. I'm very fortunate.
1: Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Wonderful. And so are they. Let's have a little bit of fun here. What was your first really special car? You shared that wonderful story of the barn find Porsche at the beginning of our talk here, but is there a car that was the first really special vehicle? And if you could share a memory you have with that car.
0: Well, you know, this is ridiculous. I've had, like many car people, so many cool cars. And when I was 16 years old, a very good friend of the family offered to sell me their 23 window VW sunroof bus. They were the second owner. Wow. It was salmon pink and white and totally original. And I paid uh, 16 years old a whopping sum of $200. <laughs> oh my gosh. And drove off in this unbelievable bus. And my memories are driving to Santa Cruz and parking on the beach and having bonfires and parties with my friends. And then we'd all drive back in the morning uh, with the sunroof open and the eight track music blaring. And then, of course, three years later, I sold it for $800, and I made a killing on that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, you did. Oh, goodness, yeah. We won't even talk about what those things are selling for now, which is just insane amounts of money. But wonderful memories. That's the great thing about that question is people always share with me these mostly childhood memories of adventures and the people that they were with with those vehicles and and how those memories are, are in their hearts. So I love it. That's great. Any chance you know where that vehicle is today?
0: You know, I have no idea, but that, of course, would be great to find again. (laughs)
1: Yeah, it would. It would. You're going to need to sell a bunch of big paintings to buy it, though. My gosh, they've just become so expensive. It's crazy. But they're fun. Absolutely. How about seller's remorse? Is there a vehicle that you let go that you really wish you had back in the garage?
0: Well, you know, I could could limit it to one or 20. (laughs) Let's uh, just limit it
1: to one today. I don't want to put you through all that pain.
0: Yeah. So, you know, obviously my 56 Porsche Speedster barn find was an incredible vehicle. And, and, uh, so yeah, I would, of course, I mean, who wouldn't want their Speedster
1: back? Yeah. Speedster, it's always been a car that I've, uh, lusted after for a long time. And there's another one that's just become unobtainium price wise, uh, crazy numbers for those cars, but, uh, Sure are fun. How about a vehicle that you purchased and shortly thereafter said to yourself, what was I thinking? You mean because I sold it? (laughs) Well, no, just because it was terrible. (laughs) Oh, oh. Well, you know, I
0: started off with, I I have one that started off that way. I bought a 1975 914 Porsche. Mm -hmm. And it was covered in dirt and it was root beer brown. And when I got it home, I looked at it in the driveway, filthy. and, And I didn't like root beer brown at all. It's original paint. I go, you know, this is a really big mistake. And I, I go, I think I'll just put it right now on Craigslist and get rid of it. However, I washed it and grew to love that color. And so that started out as a mistake and it ended up as a really fun car.
1: Yeah, you know, it's interesting how colors at one point in our lives can be, uh, and then another, they become very interesting. As a kid, I detailed cars and one of my clients owned a metallic purple Dino Ferrari and for years he just complained and complained about that color and he finally had the car repainted well of course today very rare color very unique as a little side note that car was originally owned by Cher there was a oh wow little plaque on the dash that says this Dino built by Enzo Ferrari for Cher so yeah I always wondered if Sam still has that car (laughs) from my childhood he was so kind to let me drive it and I thought I'd died and gone to heaven I bet yeah How about current projects? Is there something you're working on right now that really has you excited and fired up?
0: Yeah, I have a totally fun project. And I always have a car project going, and I usually have a house remodel going, and I'm, you know, many canvases going. But my car project is a 1932 Chevy five window coupe. And my lifelong friend had it for 40 years, and he had me do at least six or seven renditions of how he was going to finish it. Mm-hmm. and uh, unfortunately, he passed away, and his son gave me the car, which was an incredible honor, oh, and wow. so I'm building it, and it's just a great story. I'm building it to resemble a 1960s Ascot jalopy, and I'm putting all modern running gear, and I'm going to put old, my, my friend that passed away, his racing number, my old racing numbers, you know, I'll put a Winters Performance products rear-end in it, and I'm going to make Winters an old logo, like, from the early sixties. And anyway, what I'm going to do is tell everyone I found it in a barn and make up these great stories. It's going to look (laughs) era correct as a barn, find jalopy. And uh, so, yeah, just wait till you hear those stories.
1: Oh, how fun. That sounds really fun, especially with the history of the car and and your friend and my condolences for, for losing your friend, but what a wonderful way to carry on his legacy and his passion for cars uh, through you. That's fantastic. I can't wait to see that. And, and hear the stories. I know they're going to be great. Exactly.
0: <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it.
1: You're welcome. Now, here's a very introspective question. I love this question, especially I love asking artists because it was originally recommended to me by the artist Harold Cleaworth, who I just had the joy of seeing this past weekend at the LeMay Museum. He was here promoting his new book. If you were a car, what kind of car would Kelly be and why?
0: That's a very interesting question. Um, Yeah, Harold's a great guy. So, um, well, I just sold a rat rod that I built from scratch. And that kind of reminds me of what I am, a little bit rough on the outside. But on the inside, it had perfect running gear and it drove for a rat rod really well. And so, you know, I'd say if I'm a car, that's what I am. From the outside, I say it like it is. You know, I I can have a lot of fun. I work really hard and a little rough around the edges, but on the inside, Runs perfectly
1: well. I knew I'd hear something really interesting from you, Kelly, with that question. I think that's really, really appropriate having met you and I got to spend, uh, well, you were so kind to spend so much time with me down at Laguna Seca, but uh, I love it. That's why I like that question. Very creative. So, up next is the last lap, but before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsor. Metrovac has been manufacturing and providing quality automotive vacuums and blowers since 1939. I've used their portable vacuum and blowers for over 15 years in my garage, on my cars, motorcycles, around my home, and you should too. Their Air Force Master Blaster Revolution is my go-to tool every time I wash and detail my vehicles. Powered by two twin-fan 4.0p horsepower motors, the Master Blaster delivers up to 58,000 feet per minute of clean, warm, dry, filtered air. Dry your car without a towel and avoid those nagging micro-scratches. Perfect for the wheels, engines, motorcycles, and all those frustrating water traps in trim, door jams, and seals. Check out all of Metrovac's quality products, deliberately made better in the USA. Metrovac is the right choice. Learn more today at Metrovac.com. Use discount code CARSYA20 and you'll get 20% off your first order. That's right, 20% off. Details at CARSYA.com slash sponsors. Have you turned your key and heard that dreaded tick, 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 tick because of a dead battery? No worries. I've got the NOCO Genius Boost Jump Starter. This compact tool fits in your glove box and features rechargeable lithium battery technology that will start a dead battery in your car, boat, truck, or RV. It packs a whopping 12-volt, 400-amp starting power, while you're on the road. Works on any 12-volt lead-acid battery. The Genius Boost from NOCO is the ultimate emergency tool that's safe and easy to use. Quality design, state-of-the-art technology from NOCO, your battery care source since 1914. Get yours at GeniusChargers.com. Okay, Kelly, we're back and we're entering the last lap. You've been around many racetracks, so you know what this means. The white flag is out, and I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some quick blips of the throttle answers. So you ready? Yes. What is the best automotive advice you've ever received?
0: Well, that's easy. I, I found out early. If you own a collector car, you don't own it. You're just taking care of it for the next owner.
1: <laughs> you know, it's so true, and that's why so many people on this show say, get out and drive them. Why are you saving it for the next guy? Right?
0: Exactly.
1: Yeah, get out there and enjoy it, which reminds me, I need to do that myself with the Porsche that's sitting in my garage. I need to drive it more often.
0: Or just, you know, I'll come get
1: it and drive it for you. (laughs) I knew you were going to offer that. (laughs) Anytime, buddy. Come on up. Come up and visit anytime. There you go. Would you share one of your personal habits that you believe has contributed to your success over the years?
0: Yeah, that's no question. I believe in working half time, which is only 12 hours a day.
1: (laughs) Yes. Oh, that's so true, isn't it? (laughs) Fantastic. Exactly. Yeah, something you taught your kids too, I'm sure. Yep. (laughs) Do you have a resource that you'd like to share with our listeners you think they would really enjoy?
0: Well, certainly other than cars, yeah. (laughs) Well, thank you. (laughs) You're welcome. I would absolutely say mandatory is go to Bruce Canepa's shop, period. Don't miss it. It's a once in a lifetime to see that and to see his passion and understanding and and what they do with cars is outstanding.
1: It really is. He has an absolutely magnificent website. I'd encourage our listeners to sign up for his emails because he sends you this terrible eye candy that just drives you nuts with these emails of new cars that he has in his shop, whether they're cars he's going to sell or he's worked on. And I've known Bruce for many, many years. He's been a guest here on Cars. Yeah. And his shop and his work. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it's absolutely fantastic. And you can see Kelly's artwork when you're there as well, which is even cooler, right? Yeah, exactly. Thanks. Yeah, absolutely. How about a book? Is there one book in particular you think the Cars yeah! listeners should crack open and read?
0: Well, I think, you know, other than the you know the basics, such as Dr. Seuss's The Cat in the Hat, which is <laughs> mandatory, Yes. I'm actually writing a book, so I'll encourage you to follow up down the road and see this this book I'm writing on business, art and life and uh, it's been a wonderful road so far, so it's a lot of fun.
1: You know, let's take a moment and I'd love to to hear a little bit more about this because this is really cool. So many people have the idea they want to write a book and then when they start doing it they realize, oh my gosh, this is a huge amount of work. But tell tell our listeners a little more about this book, perhaps even if you have an idea of when it's coming out as well.
0: Well you know, I'm really fortunate. I'm working with a publisher and a top notch editor. So I'm I'm not a writer per se, as much as I've got great stories and great experiences in my life. So I have written down, as poorly as I do, these experiences. And my editor is currently working on those now, and my publisher is giving us a schedule. So I don't know the exact date. If I threw one out, one of those two people would
1: personally shoot me. (laughs) I understand. But I
0: do know it's a lot of fun and a lot of experiences that are just priceless. And I have a great friend, Brent Kading, who's a sprint car champion. He's like a Steve Kinzer. He's phenomenal. In it. And he's in his late 50s. He's still winning sprint car races. And when he, people meet me for the first time or first few times and say Brent's there, people look at me and go, you know, I can't believe these stories. And Brent looks at them and goes, you know what? They're true and much more. <laughs> and so that's, what this, that's what's going to come out in this book.
1: Very cool. Do you have a working <laughs> title for that book right now? You know, I have a couple, and once again, I don't want to get
0: in trouble, so I'm going to have to pass. But I'll tell you what, I will be—I will let you know first when that title is uh, official.
1: Well, we'll make sure that we keep that updated on your show notes page here at Cars Yeah, and I'll remind our listeners you can find links to all the great resources that Kelly has shared with us at carsyeah.com/slash Kelly Telfer. His last name is spelled T-E-L-F-E-R, and when that book comes out, send me a copy. I'll expect one signed by you, of course, and we'll promote that as well, and maybe even have you back on the show so we can talk about that a little more. That'll be fun. Fantastic. Thanks, Mark. You're welcome. How about interesting hobbies outside of your passion for cars? We know you love to paint, artwork, you tie that into your automotive uh, passion, but do you have any interesting hobbies outside of that?
0: Well, you know, I, I think my life, a lot of it is a hobby. You know, my kids tell me everything in my life is a blank canvas, because They'll get a new bicycle, and they'll come in, and I'm pinstriping it. <laughs> they'll, you know, I'll trim a bush, as you know, we talked about earlier, into interesting shapes in my yard. I'll build a bench around a tree and paint it, paint it primary colors and change the whole feeling of my neighbor's house when they come home. <laughs> so everything is fair game in, in my world, and it's a blast.
1: Ah, Sounds like fun. I love it. All right, we're up to the checkered flag. And Kelly, this last question can be a real doozy. If you could only have one collector car in your garage, but don't worry about what the cost is because today I'm going to write that check. What would that one vehicle be and why?
0: Well, this is a no-brainer. A Porsche Speedster. I mean, I've been an artist my whole life. When I was six and seven years old, I have drawings I did of Speedsters. I've been to the Porsche Museum at least 15 times over the course of my lifetime. I've painted them. I've owned them. I'm so passionate about them. And what I really like about it is really the the incredible story, how it almost came not to be and how it was brought to the U.S. and how they didn't sell well at first and they were hard to get rid of. And, and now they're one of the most collectible cars in uh, the car world. I don't love it because it's collectible. I love it because when I had mine, I could race a Honda Acura and actually beat it.
1: <laughs> well, what, <laughs> what color Speedster would you like? Well, it has to be one
0: of it'd have to be red, black, silver, or white, or any color. I
1: love them. (laughs) I know. I am a passionate guy about Porsche Speedsters, too, so you and I share that. I'd love to have one someday. I've I've had the pleasure of driving many Speedsters, and uh, yeah, so special. When we have some time down the road, I'll tell you the story about the Speedster that got away from me, the neighbor with a Carrera Speedster that wanted to sell it when I was a kid, 14, and my parents wouldn't give me the $3,500, which was an absolute fortune back then to buy the car. Oh, man.
0: <laughs> oh, man. I have a, I have a story like that with my dad not buying a Speedster. I'm barely talking to him now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, they were wise, I guess, back then. But uh, it's, we can always tell them uh, by sending them stories of what cars they're selling for now, and they just roll their eyes. So very cool. Kelly, you've taken me on a great ride today. I knew we'd have some fun here, and I've really enjoyed your stories. And I want to thank you for sharing your journey with the CarJow listeners and with me. Could you give us one parting piece of guidance before you drive off down the Coast Highway in that Porsche Speedster?
0: Well, you know, it's real simple to me. People ask all the time, you know, why are you so happy? What are you doing? What advice do I give my children or parents or whatever? And it's all the same. Do what you're passionate about. Do what you have a burning desire for. Don't do whatever anyone else says does not matter. What matters is what do you want and how can you do it? And the second part of that equation is give of yourself to others. It's the biggest gift you can do. I donate art and art prints to many organizations. I donate my time. I'm a firm believer in giving back. I am so fortunate to have had the life I've had and to be where I'm at that all I can do is think about other ways to continue to give it back. So my advice, be passionate, give back to humanity.
1: Ah, wonderful, wonderful message. And what's the best way for our listeners to learn more about you and your artwork?
0: Well, I guess the best way is to go to my website, which is my name, kellytelfer.com. And if they go in there and have any questions, my phone number, my email address, whatever, if they'd like to contact me, feel free.
1: It's a great website. I encourage our listeners to check it out. Look at what Kelly is doing. Wonderful works of art. Great fun. You can tell the passion in his voice. And if you're at Bruce Canapa's place, you can see some of the things up on the walls there as well. Listeners, you can find links to everything we've talked about again today at carsyad.com. Just put Kelly in the search box and his show notes page will pop right up. Kelly, thanks again for being so generous today with your time and your expertise and for sharing your experiences with the listeners and with me. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road.
0: Mark, I'd like to thank you for your time and the great work you're doing for the
1: automotive community. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah! Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up!